0: And now, your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman.
1: Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is Attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, broadcasting from my offices in San Jose in the Cambrian Park area of the city. Um, I have good news for those of you uh, in Santa Clara County, and I think maybe some other counties as well. We're starting to open back up again. Um, my family, uh, you, some of you, if you listened a few weeks ago, you may recall may recall that I indicated we were going to go play some miniature golf the next day. And uh, that was before I found out that they were shut down again by the county. But they are open. The uh, golf land is open throughout the Bay Area now. Uh, My family has a tea time for tomorrow at 11 o'clock at the Golf Land USA on Blossom Hill in San Jose. We're very excited to go and actually play miniature golf and feel somewhat normal. Uh, We plan on doing that, maybe even uh, dining at an outside restaurant if that's available to us, and then going to Barnes & Noble so we can go inside and just buy something, buy anything. It almost doesn't matter. Just being able to go back into the store and look at books and handle books and then buy books is going to be a big deal for my family. Um, It's been about 10 weeks that we've been shut down. Uh, It feels a lot longer than that. Um, Actually, probably, uh, yeah, about 10 weeks. And it's going to be good to be able to go back and do some somewhat normal things. I hope that Uh, If you're out there and you're concerned about going back to stores um, that are reopening, I understand that concern. Um, You, of course, are are welcome to not patronize stores or go to the activities that have opened up. That's fine. That's one of the great things about our country is that uh, when we have liberty to do things, we have the liberty to choose not to do things as well. And I'm grateful that things are opening up again here in the county, and I'm hopeful that within another um, month or so, maybe everything will be open up and we can start going back to some form of normalcy in our lives. Uh, Great jobs report today. I heard that on my way to work. Two and a half million jobs added in the month of May. Um, That's outstanding. Let's hope that uh, this month of June it will be Uh, more than that, and that we may be on our way to an economic recovery. It's going to take a while. It's going to take some time, but it seems like there are people that are anxious to get back to work, and it also seems like there are companies that are anxious to hire. I saw, um, let me think what I saw, I saw someone uh, posting on Nextdoor for my area, and I can't recall the actual business, but they're getting ready to reopen again, and The note went there that they need 16 associates. They need to hire 16 associates in order to be able to reopen this business, which suggests that uh, if you are looking for work, start looking around. Companies are hiring. Businesses are hiring. Um, Maybe you've already gone back to work now or your company's calling you back. This is a, a great time. Let's get the economy going again, get our country going again, and uh, recover from this uh, this economic uh, atomic bomb that hit us over the last uh, eight to ten weeks and see if we can recover as a country. I hope hopefully all of us are on board with that and we want to, uh, we want to get back to uh, to where we were before. Certainly practice social distancing, certainly wear masks in those places that are still requiring to wear masks. If you go to uh, most businesses, they want you to wear masks right now. That's perfectly fine. Hopefully there will be some time in our future where the need for that is no longer necessary and we can go back to not all looking like we're about to rob the store or the bank. So today, I'm going to open up the show today to pretty much anything people would like to talk about. Uh, doesn't have to be estate planning related. Uh, I'd like to open it up to talking about maybe what's happening around the Bay Area in your community, what's opening up, uh, what's not opening up, what, what kinds of signs you see in your community that um, things are starting to heal themselves and, uh, and move back into a better place. I don't want to talk about Uh, The protests around the Bay Area or around the country or the rioting that has taken place in so many of our cities that has been not so much a part of the protests, but something in addition to the protests, mostly done, it appears, by outside forces that are not actually associated with those who are protesting um, as an attorney and as a concerned American. Uh, I was outraged, as I'm sure most of you were, with uh, what we saw happen in Minneapolis. I am also outraged at those who are taking advantage of the situation to riot, to loot, to burn, to attack others, to attack police and other authorities. And and hopefully those of us who are supportive of the protests, as I am, um, are also condemning of those people who have hijacked the protests and have decided that their wishes and their desires and their greed or their desire to to stir people up and cause more problems, um, let's hope that we can get that under control and bring the people to justice who are responsible for those actions. I'm speaking as an attorney now, and I'm speaking as someone who who, um, believes in the rule of law and who believes that justice can be served as long as we can find the people responsible for, for these things. Justice will be served in reference to the police officers as well as they start through the legal process to both charge them, try them, and if found to be guilty, convict them of whatever level of offense has been determined in, uh, in Minneapolis there. So I'm going to open the phones up now to 800-516-1220. That's the number to call, 800-516-1220. If you'd like, you could also email any questions to me at radio at lawbob.com. That's radio, R-I-D-I-O, at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. So, waiting to see if anybody hears. I'm going to do at least a question or comment or two. Before we reach the first break of the show today, Uh, someone asked a question out of Palm Springs. As the sole beneficiary and the only successor trustee of my father's trust, how do I comply with the law, Um, California Probate Code Section 16061.7? That section of our probate code requires the trustee of a trust to send notification to the, uh, the beneficiaries of a trust after the trust has become irrevocable, and that would be the case here where the father died, uh, if you're the sole beneficiary and there are no intestate uh, beneficiaries like the children of the person that were perhaps excluded from the trust, if you're the only child, the only beneficiary, then there's really no law to comply with because you don't need to send a notice to yourself. And that's kind of the short answer. Okay, another quick one. When a paralegal helps write a will, can it be contested if it's not drawn up by a lawyer? No, any will can be contested, whether it's drawn up by a lawyer, a non-lawyer, or by the person themself. Uh The issue is not, can it be contested? The question is, can it be contested successfully? And that's a whole separate question. While well, we're coming up on the first break of the show today, I'm here to take your questions on the air. It's 800-516-1220. I'm I'm feeling pretty good today, and I hope you are, too. I'll talk with you after the break.
0: Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning, trust, and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman.
1: Hi, welcome back. I'm going to continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. Uh, If you do want to call in, it's 800-516-1220. Feel free to call, and I'll talk with you on the air. Uh, But unless someone uh, calls in, I'm going to continue on. Now, here's kind of an interesting one out of San Diego. Um, This person indicated they're a financial advisor, and... um, they, the person had clients that bought a house together after they married but the deed states as tenants in common with rights of survivorship and uh, the wife has passed away. Now, <laughs> uh, you know, it's I, I see titling things like this now and then and um, it's bizarre what people will sometimes do. This sounds like it was not prepared by a title company or or by an attorney, or at least an attorney that knew what was going on. Tenants in common basically means that each person named as an owner of the property owns a specific interest in the property separate from other people in the property. Uh, A husband and wife can own a property as tenants in common, but it means each one of them owns um, one half of the property, or whatever percentage interest is indicated, Uh, If there's no percentage interest indicated, then it's equal shares. But a right of survivorship only attaches to a joint tenancy or attaches to community property with right of survivorship. It's not something that you would find at all with a tenants in common. Now, the problem here is um, it's not clear how this couple intended to own the property. If they intended to own it as community property owned by the marriage, it should have said community property or community property with right of survivorship. Tenants in Common raises the question, was it intended to be owned as separate property by each one of them? Um, So this is the kind of thing that could probably only be solved by going into the court system. The surviving spouse could file what's called a spousal property petition, and assert that the intention was that this property be owned as community property because they bought it together and uh, and and that and then a court could order that yes the deceased wife's half passes to the surviving husband as community property and and then he goes on with his life um, but there's no simple fix to something like this um, because the wife who died has a one-half interest the right of survivorship is meaningless with the tenancy in common so it's just kind of a bizarre situation all the way around Um, I did have a situation a while back where uh, a father and daughter took title as community property with right of survivorship Um, again not possible when uh, when you're um, a father and a daughter to own property as community property that can only be between spouses. The right of survivorship suggested what what they were really going for was something along the line of a um, of a joint tenancy with right of survivorship, which would have worked. Um, I was actually able to go to court. Uh, in the court that I use here in the Bay Area, and argue successfully that both the father and the daughter had a mutual mistake of law when they took title away. They both mistakenly believed that that was going to act like a joint tenancy, and as a result, when the father died, the property could not pass. to the surviving daughter without some kind of court action. I was able to convince the court that um, that mistake of law meant that what they really intended was a joint tenancy and the judge signed an order saying we're going to treat it like a joint tenancy because that was what the intent was and actually my client was able to then uh, record that court order and clear the title into her name. Very unusual situation. Didn't know if it would work, but I was successful. And uh, to the best of my knowledge, I don't know anybody else that's ever done anything like that. At the same time, I'd never seen a father and a daughter take title to property as community property with rights of survivorship or community property for that matter, because that can only be between a married couple. Okay, now here's a question out of Redondo Beach. Um, When looking at a trust and it says that furniture and furnishings go to the surviving spouse, does that include things like china, art pieces, yadros, laliques, and other items? I would say yes. Um, Furniture means just that, something that, you know, a, a piece of furniture, something that you can sit on, something that stores things that is actual, you know, that you could pick up and carry around or move around. Furnishings would be all pretty much the stuff that's in the house, not necessarily personal property like clothes, shoes, handbags, jewelry, but furnishings are those things that you would typically find in a house such as china, such as works of art on the wall, such as uh, little tchotchkes like yadros that are sitting on a shelf. Those kinds of things might very well be considered to be furnishings, and uh, and I think that would be an appropriate interpretation. Okay, here's another one out of Southern California. Uh, My mom has a trust in her name and in her husband's name. My sister and I are the trustees and the beneficiaries of real property. Mom has died. In the trust, it says that on deceased spouse's death, that's mom, the surviving spouse, that's her husband, may amend, revoke, or terminate the trust. On revocation of the trust, all assets shall be delivered to the surviving spouse. Now, that's in the original trust, which has been amended several times, to add my sister and I as co-trustees and also added that upon mother's death, the trustees can sell real property. Can the husband still revoke this? Well, if that revocation right was never revoked or changed in any way in an amendment, then yes, the surviving husband can revoke the whole trust and say, turn everything over to me. That's clearly what was uh, what was suggested there, and so um, yeah, in the absence of some other language in the trust that I haven't seen, that would certainly be uh, an appropriate interpretation of the trust. Okay, uh, husband died in 2016, wife died in 2018. After probate was opened for wife in 2019, can probate be open for husband? Both were intestate. Sure, you could open a probate for the husband. The question becomes, is it necessary? If the husband and wife owned everything jointly, such as joint tenants or as um, community property, then um, probably everything passed to the wife and there's only one probate necessary. But But there could be property that was just owned by the husband, in which case opening a probate for the husband who died earlier could also be appropriate. Okay. We're meeting the, uh, this is the uh, mid-show break, and we'll talk with you after these commercials.
0: This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW.
1: Hi, welcome back. I'm going to continue on with more questions and comments from around the state of California. And hopefully you'll hear something in here that's of benefit to you or someone that you know. Maybe someone who's going through a similar situation. Uh, I do answer questions that people send to me uh, at radio at lawbob.com. If I can give some uh, advice, I'll give advice. If it's something that needs more than that, we can talk about whether there's more that needs to be done but um, I'm certainly available for you to ask your questions. Again, uh, you can send your questions to radio at lawbob.com. Okay, now here's one out of uh, your Belinda, California. It says, Mom passed away in 2018. In her trust, she left the house I've been living in for 20 years. Uh, it was left to me. My nephew and I are to split trust assets 50-50, so she also left a house to him. While I was not at home, the trustee called a realtor to take photos and list my house for sale. The trustee never informed me he intended to sell my house. Can he do that without notifying me? All of my personal possessions are still there. He now wants me to get all my stuff out. I have nowhere to live now. What can I do about this, if anything? Well, the short answer is, if the property was left to you by your mother and she died back in 2018, the first question I'd ask is, why has that property not been distributed out of the trust to you before now? I mean, it's already in June of 2020, so it's been at least a year and a half, but if, if the property is supposed to go to you, then that means the trustee's job is to turn the property over to you. But if the trustee has decided to try and sell the property and tell you to get out, I'd want to know, why is that? Are there debts that have to be paid by your mother's estate, and the only way to pay those debts um, is to sell this property? Um, that's uh, To me, that would be the big question, but... Um, but someone like this, if you're in a situation where someone's trying to sell the property out from under you when the property was specifically left to you, it's time to get an attorney involved. It's time to, uh, to have an attorney send a letter to this trustee telling them to back off and, if necessary, to file an action in the courts where you're located to have the trustee stopped or S-stopped from doing any further actions with the property and maybe to order that the property be turned over to you, because it says it was supposed to be left to you. Um, there's probably a lot more to this story than's on the surface. There, there's probably long-standing animosity between the successor trustee of Mom's trust and this beneficiary who is a child. Um, and but the only way that that can probably be resolved is to go into the court system or to get the trustee to voluntarily back off and just transfer the property out and failing to do that then go into the court system to uh let the court decide how that should be taken care of uh, so it's kind of uh kind of a tough situation there and but i know that when when we deal with property when we deal with with uh personalities between family members Probably the most common problem that I see is um, is siblings who don't get on with other siblings, and one of them's in charge, and trustees uh, sometimes have a bad habit of thinking that because they're the trustee, it means that they're absolutely in charge. They can't be restrained from doing anything. They're almost godlike in their powers, and it's actually quite the opposite. Trustees have to look out for the interest of the beneficiaries of the trust and cannot take actions that would damage the beneficiaries of the trust. And I would think in a situation like this, we are really talking about a trustee that may be acting in a way that's going to damage a beneficiary of the trust. Okay, so, um, okay, now this is, again, this is one of these things that point out um, the need to do advanced planning. Advance estate planning says my mother has dementia cannot sign any legal documents and my father is not capable enough to care for her as their eldest adult child i'm being asked to take over but i do not know if my father can sign the forms for her or if conservatorship is the way to go well the answer there is dad can't sign the forms putting son in charge for mom because, because dad has no legal authority to sign for mom. Um, because it sounds like here there's no power of attorney in place already. There's no trust that owns property. There's nothing to deal with mom's incapacity. Which means that the only way really for the son to take over and start handling things for mom is a conservatorship. To have, have mom's interest and her property interests conserved. Dad should be looking at doing his own estate planning and perhaps even going to court to set up a trust through the court to handle the property that dad owns with mom so that they don't have to keep going back into court to deal with things. Um, This is a serious situation and it's something I bring up over and over with people that If you don't do any planning, you could very well end up in this situation where the family has to go to court and establish a conservatorship to actually handle things for an incapacitated parent, and sometimes for two incapacitated parents. And the problem is conservatorship does not happen quickly. It's expensive. I mean, a colleague of mine that that does conservatorship and a lot of it, um, I've seen estimates as much as $12,500 for an uncontested conservatorship in Santa Clara County between the filing fees, attorney's fees, court investigator's fees, etc. That is a lot of money, especially considering that an estate plan can be done while you're healthy for a lot less. I mean, even for a married couple, doing an estate plan, my typical estate plan, is going to be less than half that cost to establish a conservatorship and it will avoid conservatorship as well as avoid uh, probate down the line so really this is a penny wise and pound foolish kind of approach to things to have literally no plan of any kind in place is 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 going to cause a lot of families uh, a lot of grief when they find out they cannot handle things for someone who is incapacitated. Now, if you have literally no property, then it's not as much of a deal. But if you own a house, if you have bank accounts, brokerage accounts, if you have retirement monies, all those things, if they're in your name or in your name with a spouse's name and you become incapacitated, there's it's very difficult to deal with those assets going forward. And that's why I'm always telling people, constantly telling people, Please, please, please do some kind of estate planning. It's, it's just, uh, just, really, <laughs> I don't know how much more uh, explicit I can be than saying that right now. So, let's see. Um, okay, moving on. Here's someone just asking a pretty straightforward question. How can my boyfriend go about gifting his $25,000 inheritance money left by his grandmother, uh, gifting it to me? He says he wants me to have it. Well, the short answer would be, let him get the $25,000 and then give it to you. Uh, Gift it from him to you. I don't know that there's a specific way that he could direct his inheritance to go to you, I'm assuming grandma has passed away already. If grandma has not passed away, I don't know that there's an effective way to assign your inheritance ahead of time to somebody. Um, and that would have its own set of problems if you were able to do that. What if the person you assigned it to had died? Does that mean the assignment's no good? What I would tell the person is, if your boyfriend really wants you to wants to give you the inheritance from grandma then let him get the inheritance and hand you the money. I mean, that that's kind of the short answer to that. Okay, here now. My cousin says she wants her friend to inherit her house. She's in her late 60s, not very healthy, and not very mentally acute. I want to know as a legal family heir, do I have rights to inherit the house? So this is basically a cousin... Um, you know, basically, uh, being an heir to a cousin is a fairly distant relationship in terms of inheritance, especially if there's an aunt or an uncle in between, if there's a parent or is in between. They're more closely related to your cousin than you are. Your parents are more closely related to your cousin than you are. Your aunt and uncle are more more closely related to your cousin than you are. But you don't have rights to inherit the house unless there's no estate plan, meaning no will, and you are the next in line of inheritance under the laws of intestate succession. And the laws of intestate succession basically means who gets your property when you die if you don't have a plan of any kind. So if the cousin wants to leave her house to her friend, she has the right to do that unless she's mentally incompetent and her competence could be challenged later on. Um, by someone who would otherwise have inherited the property. But as a general rule, people can leave the property to whomever they wish. It doesn't have to go to a relative, family member, or anyone else in particular as a general rule. Okay, so we're coming up now on the third break of the show today. I do want to let you know you can call in if you'd like, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Barring anybody calling in, I'll continue after the break. With more questions and comments from around the state of California. This is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, and I'll be back to you after the break.
0: Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman.
1: Hi, welcome back. Well, we're in the last segment of the show today, and as I started the show, Uh, With uh, hopeful news about Santa Clara County and I think some other counties in the Bay Area, we're starting to open up again. Um, I just also got news during the break that uh, the couple of the summer camps that my children had been signed up for uh, that we thought were going to be gone have actually uh, were indicating that they can go forward. They're going to be doing some uh, camps with the Children's Music Theater in San Jose. Uh, regular camp hours. They're going to have um, social distancing requirements and uh, sanitizer requirements and uh, minimum distance requirements, all kinds of stuff like that, and masks required while indoors. But um, that's great news for my kids because they already lost um, a show they were doing with Children's Musical Theater, their first ever show where they're going to be on stage. And a few weeks in, we had the shutdown, and, um, and they were not able to actually perform that show. So now they'll at least be able to do workshops, and I'm very excited to see that. Uh, there's a little bit of normalcy that may be returning. I also read uh, through some inside sources that it's possible that Disneyland will be opening up by the middle of July. So that is not that long from now. Um, And, uh, of course, they will have uh, limited uh, space. Um, They'll limit the number of people coming in. You'll have to make reservations. But uh, we're also looking at that as something to maybe do later on in the summer before my kids return to school, assuming that they can return to school in a somewhat normal fashion. That all remains to be seen. Things seem to be moving quickly right now. So uh, who knows, we might be in much better shape in another month or two for reopening schools and uh, and reopening schools in a meaningful way um, because until schools are open, we really can't have large amounts of the population going back to work because many jobs require you to be there in person. And if there's no place to take care of your children during the school year, it would be problematic for people to uh, to actually go back to work. Um, that's the big thing facing the country right now is how do we get our children back in school? How do we get child care for our children so that our workforce can go back to work? Um, I have an advantage, as does my wife. We can work from home. Uh, my wife works for a firm where she mostly works from home now anyway. I can work from home or from my office because I'm an independent business person. I don't have to, uh, and if necessary, I can bring my children to my office and look after them there if necessary. So um, we have an ab- advantage there. I know many families do not. So let's hope we can get the kids back to school in the fall in a meaningful way so that they can get an education and maybe regain some of the lost weeks they've had here in this past school year that's just hinted for my kids yesterday. And, uh, and, and in any event, let's, let's look at encouraging news. Let's, let's uh, encourage one another, pray for one another. And, uh, and hopefully we'll get through all this and come out stronger as an economy and as a society on the other side. Okay, I'm going to cover a few more questions and comments from around the state of California and then we'll call it a day. Here's someone that says they received a petition for approval of a redrafted trust citing to California Probate Code Section 15409A. Now, that section of the probate code, which I've used a couple of times in petitions, seeks to modify an otherwise irrevocable trust, uh, typically because of changed circumstances. This person wants to know how long they have to respond to the petition or oppose it They cannot find any authority on a deadline to oppose. Well, the authority is probably going to be, and it's going to tell you, in the notice of hearing on the petition where it says, if you wish to appear or oppose, you must file a response with the court before the hearing date and typically also serve a copy of that um, on the attorney or person that brought the petition in the first place. Um, that's how you oppose a petition like this. You file a response, you know, or you show up the day of the hearing and say, I object, and then the a judge will typically give you some time to put together a written response or maybe set it for a further hearing. But you don't just kind of sit on your hands and let that hearing date go by. If you do that, then the matter's probably already been decided and it's too late for you to do anything, uh, the fact that someone's asking the question, what do I need to do, kind of suggests to me that uh, that they're aware they need to do something, and it would be hard for them to argue later on that they didn't understand uh, that something needed to be done to respond or oppose a petition. Well, we're coming up on the end of the show today, and uh, I just wanted to let you all know my office is open now. You can book appointments Uh, with me to either meet with me electronically or in person in my office. I have a large enough office that we can social distance very easily. My office is easy to find uh, right off of Highway 85, about a mile off of Highway 85. And there's parking available. You don't have to pay for parking. And I'd be very happy to meet with you if you need to have your estate planning done. So. Until next Friday, where I hope to have even more good news about things opening up around the Bay Area, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, and I hope you have a great weekend. I'm looking forward to spending time with my family. See you next week. Bye-bye.
0: You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob lawbob.com, or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio.